networking. It's what's for dinner and lunch and coffee and a million other things. But seriously, it's the way that most attorneys start to grow their practice. And not necessarily that you ever move away from it, but obviously networking tends to be the one that's the easiest uh, on a $0 budget or a very low budget like most new attorneys have. That's why I'm super happy to have Katie Michelson with us today. We're talking about coffee, lunch, and Zoom. Oh my, how to network your way to a better practice. For those of you that don't know Katie, she has a career history unique to most lawyers. She began her professional career in PR, public relations, only to change course seven years later and enter law school at Chicago Kent. She commenced a clerking position at Berman, where she has remained for 16 years, rising from law clerk to owner. Katie is recognizing the industry for her practical approach to family law, which is often fraught with emotion and financial turbulence, and clients benefit from her calm demeanor and just general awesomeness. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And I know I cut off, for some reason, it didn't paste the rest of your bio. So fill in whatever we skip that we want to share with everybody. Um, I mean, I think you, I think you, you got everything correct. Um, for me, my career is... Um, not your typical career. It was something that allowed for me to take business experience, my background, and apply that to being a lawyer, which a lot of lawyers, I don't think, have the benefit of that. So um, the only thing I can add is I'm really active in the community, um, but strategically active. Um, I don't spread myself too thin. And so I take on leadership positions in certain organizations that I think are the most meaningful in terms of career development and personal and professional growth. So... And wink, wink, nudge, nudge, everybody listening or watching, we're going to delve into that in a lot more detail because Katie's here to talk about networking and strategically involved, I think, is uh, certainly part of networking. So we'll get into that in a minute. But before that, I want to talk about our previous episode, certainly on a topic near and dear to my heart. We had Wilfred Krenn talk about how you cannot pour from an empty cup. Mental health for lawyers, Wilfred and his team have a really awesome platform for attorneys to really get some true mental fitness, not necessarily mental health, because obviously that was the whole thing we talked about, that you don't need to wait until you have a problem. It's something that you want to make some time to address before it becomes an issue. So after you listen to the wonderful stuff on networking that Katie's going to share with us, go ahead and listen to Wilfred's episode on mental health that aired on Monday. But enough about that, because I want to dive into networking, one of my all-time favorite topics with somebody who certainly is a wonderful guest to talk about it. And so I want to start there, Katie, with that bio. I love the concept of switching over from that PR sort of marketing position over to an attorney because like I went straight through and had no life experience, let alone knowing, you know, not knowing what to do. So can you walk us through a little bit of like what helped you during that transition from that public relations background? Sure. So it was, I'm not going to lie, it was difficult. So for those of us who've gone from um, a, a career with a lot of responsibility, it's hard to then go to law school when you're with um, individuals who are probably a lot younger than you. Um, you're used to getting results for your clients and being recognized as, you know, in, in, a, in a career and then you're graded, which is always a very difficult position to be in just because um, you know, you, you feel that you've proven your worth. Um, you've commanded respect from sometimes, you know, multi-million dollar uh, industries and clients. And so it's a little bit of an ego blow um, to kind of get back and have to start studying. Um, but, you know, I, I transitioned pretty well. I think that um, I think I was expecting it to be 
pretty easy. I mean, everyone knows law school is a rite of passage and it's not exactly an easy process. Um, there's also kind of a way to go about it. And so you have to kind of retool your brain a little bit. Um, but that being said, um, I'd always been told by my family that I would hopefully make a good lawyer. So I was trying to kind of keep that in my back of my mind and, and kind of get through. Whether yeah, they meant that as a compliment or an insult would depend. Yeah, on I, I don't know. I, the, you know, the whole thing of, you know, I'm very argumentative. So <laughs> whether that's going to make me a great attorney or not, I don't know if that's true. Uh, well, I was argumentative, but I don't know if that was necessarily translating to me being a great attorney. But it was the right career choice for me. Absolutely. And so was there something about family law? Like what got you into that part of law? Right. So um, it's a good question. And I actually get that a lot. So ironically, um, I have my parents been married um, 56 years. So I don't come from a family where divorce is commonplace. Um, so it's it's interesting. Um, you know, when I when I when I decided when I decided when I decided to be an attorney, you know, one of the things that I thought most logically was that I would take my law degree and combine my marketing background. So I thought a lot about it was legal marketing. That was kind of an idea I had. Um, I also what thought kind of moron it, would want to go into legal marketing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want my legal marketer to be listening to this. Um, because actually marketing for lawyers is very hard because lawyers don't typically think in marketing, um, kind of a marketing mindset, but I digress. So um, I thought I would combine it. I also thought about entertainment law. Um, I did a lot of um, arts type things in high school and in college. Um, so I uh, thought maybe, you know, entertainment law. I thought about a lot of different ways that I could combine my career, prior career and interests. Um, when I was a third year, I took um, a seminar um, in family law. Um, I did, besides the fact that I did really well in it, um, what I liked about it was, um, you know, my, my background at, at University of Michigan was sociology. So there was always an interest for me of human behavior, um, uh, societal behavior. There's just always kind of, you know, that, that I, people are very quirky, um, uh, you know, populations are, are interesting. Um, and so it was a really, um, it, it really combined a lot of things that I liked. Um, I was able to get a clerking position. Um, really, I, it really was due to, I'm not going to say it was my tremendous interest in family law. Um, I had a wonderful connection and an individual who worked at my firm introduced me to my managing partner, who's now my partner partner. And we always joke about it because he, you know, we, I started clerking for him and um, other members of my firm, and it was a kind of a combination of um, business litigation, insurance uh, type issues, and then family law. Because at that time, Beerman was a family law business law firm, um, and we had not yet evolved into a full-fledged family law firm. So I kind of got my feet wet doing both. Um, so even just say, even networking your way into the first opening, I love it. Yes. I mean, I was a good schmoozer. Um, I was asked to come over wearing my very casual clothes from law school. I ran over to the firm, I interviewed, and I, you know, the, the, our now managing partner who hired me, he and I are, get along very well. We're, we've been working together for ages and uh, we always joke about the first meeting, but I, I think also what they liked about is that I had real world experience. You know, I come with a, a, a degree of maturity that I think probably some other law clerks wouldn't have. 
No, it makes total sense. I it's it was always interesting to me because the law school I went to was a lot more people in a similar route to you than people in the route that I went straight through. And so it was crazy because it's like, all right, here's this contract case on construction stuff. And then like somebody in the class would have worked construction for 10 years and they're like filling us in on some of the background. And then, you know, you get into some of these like tech things and there was somebody that had started their own tech business and that's why they were going to law school um, so that they could talk to the attorneys better. And so like they're filling in a lot of that background on it. It was just amazing to see how much that real world experience truly does apply to, you know, everyday law. Yeah. And I think it also allows for you to take things more in stride. Um, I also, you know, having an idea of, and I know this is something to be discussed, but, you know, recognizing that your clients are not only people that you take care of, but they're mouthpieces for you. It ends up being really, really important in how you approach cases because you don't just look at them as their cases, which is, of course, very important, but they're future sources of business. So there's a, you know, there's a really, there's a, there's a maturity, there's a, a recognition um, of the, the longevity of how certain areas of law kind of take on, you know, a life of its own in terms of, of clients who are walking away from you. So, you know, that was perfectly situated for family law because you are getting direct referrals and impressions from real people who are going to talk to their friends, who are going to, you know, be able to relate their real world experience. So um, I also took my PR background because I know, you know, I'm pretty good at reading people. I'm pretty good at identifying issues um, and and body language and communication. You know, as as we all know, communication in, in law is, is huge. Not only what you communicate, how you do it, the manner in which you do it. So, you know, family law just ended up being a really nice, natural fit for me. And my personality and and um i've stuck with it ever since love it all right so we're talking about you know turning clients into potential referral sources we're talking about that strategic uh being in the community we're talking about networking like where did that start for you i mean did you sit down and come up with your ideal client did you outline a referral strategy like walk me through that process so i think it was somewhat organic um you know i i think one I think learning to network, learning to do business development is not necessarily um, innate. Um, but I do think that there is a certain amount of presence, natural presence, kind of um, uh, emphasis on, on um, being yourself and developing certain relationships that I think both referral sources and clients can really sense. Um, you know, there's a genuineness and, and I'll talk about that a little bit more with networking and relationship building, but there's definitely um, it, it becomes an art. And it's also, from my experience, a drive. So, you know, part of my strategy, I'll call it a strategy, but part of what I've always thought about doing has been being very purposeful. You have to have a very purposeful um um, your strategy has to be very purposeful because if you kind of go out there and spread yourself too thin, you're, you're pretty much not, you're not following your own path of how you're going to really get people to remember you. So one thing that I really thought about was, you know, I, I don't, as an attorney, as an you know, attorney who was starting out, you don't have all the time. Now I wasn't married with kids or anything along those lines yet. So I had a lot more time, but you don't have a lot of time. So you have to use your time carefully and you have to have your name being remembered 
And so I thought about, okay, where can I, where can I get myself in areas that I'm going to shine and I'm going to have my ability to, to keep my, my name, you know, top of mind. And so part of my strategy was I'm not going to go, for example, to a really large dinner at the Hyatt where there's thousands of people and really try and, you know, meet as many people as I can and pass out business cards. That to me was not something that was strategic. Something can that I, was strategic. Can I jump in for a second there? Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. When you say that not being strategic, is that because you would feel out of place? Is that because you don't think your ideal client was there, that you don't think the referral source was there? Like what made that not strategic for you? I think I think because um, and I feel as though I've had the, I had this inkling pretty early on. You don't get referral sources by passing out your business card. You don't get business that way. Maybe in some industries you do, but in in true industries which are based upon trust, um, especially areas of law like family law, where there's some very sensitive issues, where people are looking for a certain type of personality to assist them through a really tumultuous time in their life. You cannot go about, about it ad hoc by just passing out business cards. So when I'm thinking about going into an event, um, you know, if I can make one meaningful connection, meaning I have an actual genuine conversation with someone, for me, that starts the process of developing a relationship. It, it doesn't happen overnight. I'm not suggesting somebody will send me a piece of business because they've met me once. But if at least I've made a foundation of having a really meaningful interaction with somebody so that ultimately that trust that needs to be placed in someone who they refer to is, is starting. Like there's that kind of connection and it's starting. So it's it, it's really, you know, I guess I would say it's 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 very specific to my area of law. But I think it's really specific to a lot of areas of law, especially where people are involved and there needs to be an enormous amount of trust between client and attorney. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I listen, I a thousand percent agree with everything you said. I just want to make sure we break it down a little bit to help people through that thought process. Yeah. Because like ultimately, from what you're talking about, you know, you've got 1.3 million attorneys in the United States. So for you to be the second or third or fourth attorney for 100 people, does you no good for that one referral. You need to be, you know, top of mind, the number one in their brain for 20 people so that that way you'll be the one they think of. So. I totally yeah. agree with what you said. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize though enough, you know, just because of my name is out there doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to be somebody who somebody thinks of. So I think it's kind of a multi-layered approach. It's building a relationship, a relationship where somebody can trust your work, but then it's also following that up with a couple other things, you know, being active in the community, having integrity and having a reputation among colleagues where they can then boost, you know, your, your, your reputation. Um, so it's not just, I go in and I develop one relationship with, with a person. And then I feel that likely the business will come. It's a long process and it's a long process of trust. And I say this to people I mentor all the time, business development does not happen overnight. It, it is a it is a long process where all of a sudden your name becomes top of mind, but it's been earned. Yeah, I love that. So so let's flip it a little bit. So you're trying to make these really good connections with people as that, you know, entry level into building a true relationship. So are there certain events that you do prefer for that? Are there certain places that you enjoy the most? Like kind of walk us through that process so we can help people see the other side of this coin. Sure. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is to do one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. 
Um, I don't think that big events are really conducive to developing relationships. So, you know, I make it a priority to be really proactive and reach out to people. You know, with COVID, it's been different because, of course, you're doing things via Zoom. But even actually via Zoom, I haven't felt that that's put a lot a damper um, on the ability to generate business. But having one-on-one coffee, dinner, lunch, because, and I'm sure you can recognize this, there's... Um, you get a really good sense of somebody the moment you meet them and then your ongoing interaction with them. And then things, you know, when it's one-on-one and and how they look at you, how they ask questions, how they listen, and then they follow up with those questions. So from, you know, I guess the theme being reaching out to individuals who I think not only I could help, I'm excuse me, not only who they could think of me to help, but who I can push it forward. So a lot of the times that I'm I'm reaching out to people, I'm also thinking ahead of time, who do I know who I can maybe introduce them to? So there becomes this kind of pay it forward me- uh, mentality, as well as strategically finding people who I think would be um, beneficial from my services, but then also would benefit from who I know. So it's really kind of identifying individuals that, you know, who are well connected as well, because it's always well, you know, beneficial to connect with people who are well connected because then you have each other's network. Right. And they're also used to and they understand the benefit of that relationship building. So that kind of one on one targeted meeting up with people, asking them to go, you know, you, you just can't, you can't be shy about it. Right. It's like asking somebody to go on a date, but you really, truly can't be shy about it because what's so surprising about it is most people say yes. You know, I mean, unless you're directly soliciting them, I think, which I think tends to put people on guard. I think generally, yeah, I think generally people are very open to meeting and socializing, um, especially in COVID, especially as adults. I think we tend to, you know, we, we get into our lives, we get into our professions and we you know, we're busy with all these different things. And I think people tend to be very open to meeting. So a very long-winded way of saying one-on-one, you know, targeting one-on-one strategic meetings with people is like my number one thing that I can do. So when it comes to family law, I mean, do you have a specific ideal client in mind that you're hoping is the one that hires you consistently? Well, sure. I mean, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. I've, I've, I think all of us as attorneys, as we go through the process, try to identify what our strengths are and what how what kind of clients we want. Because when we're interviewing clients, and I say that on purpose, interviewing clients, right? So you always think clients are interviewing you, but you're also interviewing clients. And it's taken me a long time to figure out that I can say no to a client if I don't think that they're a good fit for me. So as I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about who I would tell like my referral sources and people I'm doing business development with about like, who are my ideal clients? Because I do get that all the time, you know, and of course, us divorce attorneys are saying we want somebody with, you know, significant assets and we want, you know, to me and that that's a somewhat of a of a, a misnomer because I'm, you know, I don't work off contingencies. So it's not like I get a piece of somebody's estate, Right. Um, I, I do have a higher hourly rate. So somebody who has to, of course, have the ability to pay my hourly rate and, and my retainer. Um, but really, it's more of an attitude and it's more of, a, of, of um, an approach to strategy. 
I like to work with my clients collaboratively to really give them advice that I think they want to hear and that they're open and receptive to it. So I'm, you know, my approach to practicing family law is, you know, you, you mentioned it in, in the opening. I'm, I'm a pretty even keeled, calm person. Um, the word assertive has always come up as family law attorneys. Are you assertive? Are you a bulldog? Are you a pit bull? You know, all that stuff, which really, really bothers me because I always say to people, assertive isn't what you, or excuse me, aggressive is not what you want. Assertive is what you want. You want somebody who is strategic, who has your best interests in mind, that will maintain integrity in the process. Aggressive, bulldog, you know, shark, all those kinds of things to me just looks like money. So if, you know, a client spending money. So for, from my perspective, you want, you know, I want a client who wants somebody who thinks they're going to be, you know, who, who wants good representation, strategic representation, isn't going to be a yes person. I, I won't just file things because I think it will stick or, you know, I'll get in front of the judge. I want to be really strategic about that. So therefore, I am looking for a client that thinks that same way. Um, and, you know, uh, I eventually leave. I don't want to be, you know, uh, leaving a client with, you know, financial difficulty, emotional difficulty. I want them to, to, to go on with their lives and continue to feel that they can transition to something else. So those are the kind of clients that I'm specifically looking for. So when I'm doing business development, I'm really trying to put that in front of my resources to say, this is, if you think of people, think of that when you're thinking about whether I would be a good fit. See, I love that so much because I think we get so wrapped up in demographics, but ultimately for you, you're talking about psychographics. You're talking about that mental component of the person to really find a good fit. Um, I want to dive into that in a, a little bit deeper, but before I get to that, so I know you've used the word business development a couple times. Do you have a different definition for business development versus networking or are those just synonyms? I almost, I, I kind of almost want to get rid of the word networking or business development and kind of replace it with relationship building. You're speaking my language. I love it. Yeah. Because, you know, networking to me is you go in and you, um, I, I find networking very, um, it's just really surface level. So I don't think that the word networking, even business development, it feels very um, like an umbrella term. You really, really dig down to it. It's relationship building and it's built upon trust. It's built upon somebody liking you as a person, um, you know, and ultimately they're going to refer business to you because of all those combinations. It's that relationship that you've developed with them. Um, where it then reflects well on them. If they, for example, need to refer uh, somebody um, to me, it reflects well on them because they've done the vetting. And part of the vetting is the relationship building. And it's really knowing their, you know, the individual who they've referred, um, meaning me, to, to their close contact, you know, colleague, you know, client, that sort of thing. And they've done it after really... Um, I think diving deeper into a relationship. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think networking is the most common, you know, exp, you know, it, the most easily recognized term for it. But I, I really think it needs to be rephrased as relationship building. I think that's really, really important, and for people to remember. That's awesome, and and that goes right back into. So you're talking about having these specific psychographics, a specific kind of person you want to work with. So when it comes to the referral sources or the or the people you're building that relationship with, 
who know those right people, do you find yourself looking for a specific kind of person by psychographic there, by thought process, by mentality as well? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, you know, I don't think every, you know, I don't have to be best friends with my referral sources, right? So, you know, who, who I go out with and, and hang out with socially doesn't necessarily mean that I have to, you know, be, but I am looking for somebody who subscribes to the same philosophy as me. So, because, you know, they are my mouthpieces. So when you're, you know, connecting with somebody and they subscribe to the same philosophy of what makes a good client, what allows for you to service that client in a really good way, they're then going to take what you've said and probably um, share it in the exact same way that you would share with them. So, yeah, sharing that similar philosophy is very, very important. And it's pretty much industry agnostic. You know, I mean, I find that there are going to be certain professions that are probably um more um, make more sense for me to connect with, um, you know, certain types of attorneys, you know, I, it, it's a joke because I, I talk with certain attorneys and certain attorneys say, I don't want to touch family law. Like I, that is one area of law I never want to touch. It's too emotional. Um, so certain attorneys are great referral sources for me. And I like to build relationships with specifically individuals who um, share that same philosophy, but might have a different area of law. Um, other, you know, partners or people that really, because I like to surround myself with a team. Um, I've said this before. I know what I know, but I, you know, I know what I don't know. And it's, it's important to surround yourself with people in different industries that kind of, that, that will help you and help your clients. So really related industries, you know, whether that's finance, whether that's, um, you know, financial planning, um, estate planning, uh, insurance, you know, anything that that relates to what my clients will need. Um, those are, are, are people. But, you know, to go back to your original question, it's it's a philo- it's a shared philosophy. And you can usually tell from the moment you meet somebody and you start talking about these shared, um, you know, these these um, shared attributes that you can pretty much pretty quickly make sure that you're aligned with somebody and whether you want to continue that conversation. At least I feel like I can. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, and again, I love the concept that you've really delved into this type of person. You know, I think it's easy to say, okay, realtors and accountants and, you know, criminal lawyers, but instead you're really trying to focus on the ones who have that same, I don't know, better mindset. And maybe that's not the right word, but that, that more, understanding of the situation and not just looking to uh burn and raise everything to the ground right i mean exactly now um i mean you've kind of hit on a good point it's also people that i like you know we you you have to like you know there has to be a you know whether it's a professional friendship a personal friendship but there's some type of kinship i think there's some type of connection um, I, I think that, you know, then I think you really are, um, it, it's important because I think it's really important that connection, a connection can come from a very different, you know, a lot of different ways, but I, I really do think having that connection and, you know, some people are not, you know, natural born networkers. I, I can, I can, or, you know, I can build relationships pretty easily. I I'm, I'm good at listening. I'm good at asking from, at least I think the right questions, and I'm truly interested in listening to what people have to say. It's not just a matter of how I've de- developed business. I truly actually am looking for that nugget where I can talk to people and say, huh, it's really interesting because I love hearing about what they do. I think it makes it, 
people have such interesting career paths and interesting reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. So I think there's also an art when you're in the conversation of really developing that meaningful connection. And that goes to really being engaged and present. Well, and for, you know, for anybody who listens to, you know, all or most of these shows, how often do we hear guests talk about that exact same thing? Because it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. if it's not fake it till you make it, it's really, truly having that genuine concern, really putting that relationship first. I mean, that's where you find success. Because I think going back to your original original statement, you know, everybody knows that person that just wants to hand out business cards and you get that gut reaction like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. That person doesn't want to build a relationship, doesn't have the same thought process as me, whatever it is. So the more that you are genuine about it, the more successful all this becomes. So I, I love that you identified that. Yeah. Genuineness and authenticity from my perspective is the key to business development. I, I, I think building personal relationships based upon who you are now tempering that, right. You, you, you have to understand that not everybody knows you. So being who you are, it's an important, it's a, it's a really big balance about being who you are um, and identifying what the other person needs. Follow-up is huge. I think people tend to forget about follow-up. So when you're meeting and you're doing this relationship building, it's not one coffee it's not, you know, it's it's identifying. And again, and I've said this before, paying it forward. Most of the times that I meet with people, it's not because I want them to give me business. I mean, ultimately, yes, I would love for them to, 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 to consider me a resource. But I'm also constantly thinking, who do I know that I can introduce them to? And um, it, it it's very gratifying in, in that respect, because I know eventually things kind of come around. But I also do it because I, I, I enjoy getting people what they need in terms of making them successful. And, and I've tried to impart that onto the people that I mentor. I've tried to impart that to, um, you know, individuals to say it all comes around, but it has to be really true and genuine. You really have to go and because people, like you just said, you can, you can, you can sense, you can read it. Um, people can tell when you're really, um, when you're doing it for a different reason than, than truly trying to be help other people. Yeah. And I love, you know, uh, Keith Ferrazzi and every alone talks about super connectors and it's exactly what you're going through there. Like it's, you may not have a referral for everybody, but you certainly know somebody who is likely to have a referral for them that can, you know, that has that two way relationship that'd be helpful to make that extra connection. And I always love that concept of like, it's not so much me trying to meet everybody. It's trying to meet everybody and help them meet each other as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So along those lines, I mean, look, I'm going to steal, uh, I'm going to steal the BNI thing, right? No like, and trust. So we talked about the no, we talked about that one-to-one relationship. We talked about the follow-up. We talked about the importance of like, but from that trust standpoint, I know you do a great job of this because I've had multiple people rave about you as an attorney, as a, as a person, as a, as a, as a known per, you know, as a good attorney in the community, not just a great networker. So what are some of the things that you've done to help build that trust component when it comes to these referrals? Maintain my integrity. I mean, I I can't tell you how that sounds so easy, but it is one of the most important things. My reputation has always, I've held my reputation in the legal community um, at the forefront. And I'm going to credit Miles Bierman, if Miles is listening, but I'm sure he's not, who's the founder of our firm. But he did tell me when I was a very young puppy of an attorney that all you have is your reputation. The moment your reputation is tarnished, it's over. So if you can't be trusted, 
by colleagues, judges, uh, clients, opposing counsel, then you've lost it. And so what I've really tried, you know, so so I put my reputation before, you know, it, it, that's really, really important. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. I don't compromise for my clients. So this seems pretty obvious, but I don't lie for my clients. But I also tell them they can't lie to me. So if, if, you know, cause my, my reputation, my integrity is more important to that, that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm very good at arguing facts. I'm very good at explaining why certain situations are, but you can't explain somebody who lies and you can't explain, um, you can't explain um, how really, you know, if, if, if your credibility is, is affected, it's really hard to, to come back. And so for me, you know, it's like, I, I feel like this should be like tattooed somewhere. You know, your reputation is really all you have. So that I think from what you're saying, and, and thank you for those kind words, but I think it's because I've really always tried to keep my reputation at the forefront. So, you know, the work I do is thorough. I give people good advice. I don't, you know, I don't waver from my advice. Um, and I make sure that people understand that I'm going to prioritize my reputation and integrity before, you know, I, I, I will not just do anything for a client because I don't think one that benefits them, but it also doesn't benefit me. And so I think from that perspective, and, and I think it, it's very, very hard because I think you get in these situations where the truth is somewhere in between, especially it's very easy to bend the truth. It's very easy to justify why certain things are done, but I always take a step back I rely on my colleagues, my coworkers. I bounce ideas off of them. I sometimes am, you know, I follow my gut, but sometimes I'm thinking I'm not quite sure what to do. Um, and and I and I and I act appropriately. Um, and and I think those and when you really look, you know, down to it, that that's pretty simple. Although it's not so easy to always follow. Um, but that I think from from an integrity and 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 trust standpoint, I think that that's taken me a long way in terms of people feeling like not only do I like her, you know, I'm happy to refer business to her, but I actually can trust that the information that she's giving to my clients is actually sound and well thought through, which is huge. I mean, you can't, you can't put a price on that from my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Greg, as we get towards the end here, if you got any questions from anybody watching this live, please go ahead and jump in or drop them in the chat or something. So uh, we talked about the no, we talked about the like, we talked about the trust. Anything else you want to make sure we cover when it comes to this, you know, this networking, this relationship building? I mean, look, you have dropped some, I don't want to say nuggets of wisdom, boulders of wisdom in here. And I know we could definitely talk about this for hours more. You're mentoring other attorneys on this. But like, is there any of the big things that we miss that we really need to make sure we cover? You know, I, I just um, what I like I've said, I, I try to be um, I, I didn't I don't have not joined every group in the city of Chicago. So, you know, what I've done is, you know, for for those groups that I have joined, I've tried to distinguish myself as a leader, you know, doing kind of a, a leadership position in each of those organizations. So I've talked about the one on one relationship building. I do think that name recognition is a, is a huge is is important and doing it in a way where you identify yourself as an industry leader. So, 
you know, I don't do, I don't participate in 10 philanthropies. You know, right now I'm, you know, going to be the incoming president of the Chicago Council for the American Writers Museum. I, I, I am, I've done work as the philanthropy chair for, for Make-A-Wish Illinois. I ran a round table for, gosh, eight years for the Women's Bar Association um, of Illinois. I do things, you know, I'm, I'm a group leader for Provisors, which is a, a nationally known um, uh, business development group. Except not in Florida. I have tried so hard. I will tell them to open it in Florida. There we go. They're, they're, expand, they're expanding. Let, let Lisa know. Be like the sixth person. I will let Lisa, Lisa. If Lisa's listening, I will let her know. But, um, you know, I, 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 if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And it's well, it's that because I also see a value of, of constant brand recognition. Attorneys are brands. That That is, you know, and that comes from my PR background, too. But we are walking brands as much as we also are have sound legal minds and most of us do and uh, have, you know, are, are good at being lawyers. We're walking brands and brand recognition means um, constant name recognition and doing it in a way where you're leaders of organizations. So that to me is really important. That's something that I have found to be really useful. So I say to people, if you're going to join an organization, don't just be a member, lead, lead on aspect of it. Um, but Katie, so that's, yeah, that's ex you're, you're exactly echoing at the very beginning of this. We talked about, you know, that one-to-one -one connection that really staying top of mind with people. Now with the groups, you're talking about the same thing, you know, don't meet a million people and make no relationship. Don't join a million groups and not be involved. So I love that you've got that consistency lined up the whole way through because you're a hundred percent right. Like it is so much better and so much easier to stand out when you're involved in five groups instead of not active in 20. Exactly. Exactly. So, Love yeah, it. so that's, that's important to me. At least I found that to, to help with my career and, and development. So as we get towards the end of here, before we really get to the end, I got, I've got one last definitive question and then we'll do your biggest takeaway. Any advice you'd like to give to either your younger self or, you know, the next Katie Michelson, the next attorney really trying to build this great brand and network? Well, I did somewhat follow my own advice, which was good. Um, but I would do it again if I'm allowed to do that. I don't know if that's allowed. Um, when I was, um, when, when I left PR, you know, I f faced a lot of jokes, you know, how many attorneys does it take to, you know, screw in a light bulb, right? Like everyone in my agency was like, why are you going to be a lawyer? It's so boring. But one of the things that I, um, really took with me is I never wanted to be a what if person. So I never wanted to say, I never wanted to look back and say, what if, and I didn't do it. So I, and I feel like that, that goes, you know, that, that really covers a lot of aspects of, of both professional and business development. And I would do it. I, I would do it again. Don't be shy. You know, I also, as a woman, you know, you have to always kind of emphasize going after what you want and not being shy and not being apologetic about it is has gotten me really far. And so I want to, you know, I, I've enjoyed being that way where I have done so in an appropriate way where I have, again, maintained my integrity. I developed my messaging, but don't be afraid to ask to go for what you want. Um, and then really do it often and early. You know, it's never too early to get yourself um, integrated and, and to do business development. I say this to my young associates all the time. Put yourself out there. You, you know, especially when you're a young attorney, 
sadly, you're being measured not only on your work, but, you know, business that you can bring in. And the sooner you start developing those connections, um, the better. You might not have the experience, but you definitely have the drive. And so I say start early, start often. Um, and I, 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 listen, I didn't do it perfectly, but I do think that I, I, I absolutely tried to stay true to those philosophies. And I think it's really helped me in my career development. And even to people listening to this, like exactly what Katie said, even one step beyond that, like if you're in law school, if you're in undergrad interested in law school, you will have an easier time sitting down with a bunch of attorneys and judges who will complain about law school to you or who will complain <laughs> about being a new associate to you or whatever that one step beyond you is. You're so right. Like it is so, I guess, easy. It is easy, I think, to get attorneys who will sit down and chat with you about their advice and give you their advice and, and you build a relationship from there just like you know you yeah. were talking about getting that initial interview based upon knowing somebody yeah and and i always say to people that i mean i was not a big fan of law school just because i think we've already talked about it, it was kind of hard to get back into i don't feel that one's performance in law school predicts how well they're going to do in 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 real life as being a lawyer and i think that People also, and actually that is one thing I would tell myself because I, I, you know, I, I went to Chicago Kent, which is a great school. Um, it was not at the top of my class and I will freely admit that, you know, I was, I was fine. You know, I was comfortably probably in the middle. It, I did fine, but that really wasn't a measure on who I would be as a lawyer. If, if for me, it's gaining that experience. It's identifying what your strengths are and running with it. And so I would tell my younger self, just get through law school. You're going to be fine <laughs> because law, I mean, law school in the bar was, you know, we all can joke about how awful it is, but it, you know, it, it, it's a rite of passage. We all have to do it. So um, that is one piece of advice I would tell my younger self, but I, I'm, I still dream about not having taken the, uh, the bar. I'm sure we all do. <laughs> oh yeah. I, yeah. Actually, to be honest, for me, it's waking up and, and forgetting that math test that I, at this point, haven't had a math class for, I don't know, 20 years. And yet yeah. still on like that one math final. But anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So for everybody who's enjoyed this episode, uh, our next episode is going to air on Monday, November 11th. So it'll be next Monday after Halloween. We're already at the end of the year here. And it's going to be at 3.30 Eastern time. So two hours later than you watched this episode with Katie, we're going to have April Beach on. April's going to talk to us about how you crush the 97% online course failure rate through the transformational program design. So for any of you lawyers listening who've tried to launch a course or want to have, you know, a secondary offering, something along those lines, a do-it-yourself option for clients, anything, you really have to make sure you tune in Monday, November 1st at 3.30 Eastern time to hear what April Beach has to share. But Katie, I'm not going to let you go without one more, one more diamond nugget here. What, if you could say only one thing to all of our attorneys listening to this about how they can be the exhibit A of, the, of a successful attorney, just like yourself, what would be that final piece of advice? And I know I set you up for failure with the last question being what advice, but what would be the biggest one then? You know, it could be something we've already talked about, but just to give that final takeaway. Be authentic. I, I mean, just, you know, be authentic. I, I think that people are... Um, people want to work with people who, like you just said, there's the old no like trust refer. They they want to be with people who they connect with. They want to refer clients to, and that requires authenticity and it requires um, 
you know, being who you are and connecting with the right people. But that authentic self, from my perspective, you know, it's it's probably one of the most important things you can do to be to be successful. And to echo that, you you're going to be okay upsetting people, pissing people off, having them decide you're not the right fit. That's totally fine because you've got I don't know 400 million people or so in the country, um, and you need to be the number one lawyer for them. So that genuineness, that authenticity, will mm -hmm. repel people, but will it will attract the right people? <laughs> I hope it doesn't repel people, but I agree with you. It it might repel the right certain kinds of people, but I agree right. with you. Yeah. So, you know, yes. anybody listening to this who's like, I want to ruin my spouse for the rest of their life and, you know, <laughs> burn them and all their stuff to the ground, they're going to hear this presentation and be like, well, Katie Michelson's not the right fit for me. And that's totally fine. Like, that's exactly part of your genuineness has created this magnet that attracts the right clients and repels the right clients or repels the wrong clients or however you want to phrase that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, like I mentioned, I, you know, I think it's really important to find that I say to people all the time, find the right attorney for your, especially in family law, it's a long relationship and it's a relationship out of trust. And it is, you need to be aligned in your philosophy. That's very, very important. You might not agree all the time. And my clients and I don't always agree, but we have healthy conversations and we look into options and we explore and we discuss and that, from my perspective, is a really good way to find your attorney um, to make sure that they're aligned with your goals and help you get through the process. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us, everybody. This is Katie Michelson. Um, we've got links in the Facebook page on here. You can also jump into our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers Facebook group to get uh, some clips from this episode as well as any other contact information. And for anybody in the group or who wants to join the group in the next several hours, we've got a happy hour tonight. It's virtual. It's going to be through Facebook rooms at 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. So that would put it at uh, about four and a half hours from now. Three and a half hours from now. Three and a half hours from now. Math is hard. Um, so hope to see you all there. And again, seriously, Katie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.